0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace, going to take some of your questions in this installment of the HN Podcast. But first, Steve had told me that he had some things he wanted to run by me real quick. And as is typical Miller and Dace fashion, I have no idea what they are. So uh, fire away.
0: All right. So, John, here are 22 facts about the AP poll that people might find interesting and or could foretell the coming season. All right. So I'm just going to lay these on you and, and you're just going to give me your quick hot takey reaction. We're going to move through these quickly. Rapid fire. All right. Okay. All right. Number one, Clemson's streak of nine straight seasons of finishing the season better than their preseason ranking was snapped. They had done this nine years in a row, but now they're the preseason number one team for the first time ever. So the streak is over.
1: Well, it sucks to not have a chance to defend your title, right?
0: I think it's one of the most amazing streaks I've ever seen in college football. I agree.
1: Football. I think it's phenomenal. Um,
0: number two, this is the first time since 2015 Alabama is not the preseason number one team. However, four of the last five times they were not preseason number one, they won the national championship.
1: Holy crap, that's a really good trend. Nice. That's, I mean, that's so many times it's almost not circumstantial, but um, that's a good one.
0: Number three, this preseason poll marks the first time since October of 2003 that seven Big Ten teams were ranked at the same time by AP.
1: Wow. I mean, seven's a big number. I mean, the ACC's probably done it several times since then, but sometimes I don't know that it's worthy in merit as the AP poll is, you know, it, it, it can be very colloquial, let's just say. But I would, I would have thought we wouldn't have a 16-year, near 16-year gap.
0: A whopping 11 teams in last season's preseason AP poll did not finish the season ranked, 44% of them. Say that again. 11 teams in last season's preseason AP poll didn't finish the season ranked. That's 44% of the preseason poll.
1: Hmm. I would not have guessed it was that high. I probably would have said seven or eight. That's a big number.
0: No, it would be one of the worst preseason polls probably of all time when you look at their track record. Yeah. Number five, 15 of the 20 teams to make the college football playoffs so far were ranked in the top 10 of the preseason AP poll. That's a 75% trend.
1: It's a pretty strong trend. Um, Got an outlier here or there, but pretty much says if you're not in the preseason top 10, uh, it's a longer long shot than it was before you thought.
0: Number six, however, that also means that each season so far of the playoff, a team outside the top 10 of the preseason AP poll went on to make it. Last year, that was number 12, Notre Dame.
1: Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive.
0: Uh, Number seven, no team ranked lower than number 19 in the preseason AP poll has made the college football playoff. That was Oklahoma in 2015.
1: No, no team worse than 19. Well... Hawkeye fans, your team is 20. Might as well pack it up right now.
0: Pack it up, pack it in.
1: Let me, let begin. me begin. I came to win, battle me. That's a sin. My, my favorite- Number my, eight. My, my, wait, wait, you got me on a wrap. You let me finish. My favorites, <laughs> you know the rules. One of my favorite lines, and my, my kids have like all the time, you know, I tell them to get in the car. I go say, pack it up, pack it in. And then Mary says, let me begin. But- Word to your moms, I came to drop bombs. I got more rhymes than the Bible got psalms. That is Hall of Fame white man rap lyric right there. Continue. I got to
0: go with Beastie Boys. I'm like Sam the Butcher bringing Alice to me. I got to go with that. So rap all. Uh. Number eight, uh, this is the first time since 2001 that USC was unranked in the preseason AP poll.
1: Wow. 1980s. Pete Carroll's years. first year. Wow. Yeah. Once again, you just remind. They me actually of, one just, vote. just reminds me of your thing you say all the time. Ohio State's like the one program that you know has not had a sub 500 year in the last I don't know 30 40 years of any of the major programs.
0: Right. Number nine, this is Notre Dame's highest ranking in the preseason AP poll since 2006.
1: Hmm. You know, I used to, one of the reasons why I disliked Notre Dame is I just felt they were perennially overrated every year. And though just because they aren't in it this year, or they were in this year, doesn't mean they haven't been overrated in the past. But that is a little bit surprising.
0: But here's the other side of the, the coin. Notre Dame hasn't started and finished a year in the AP top 10 since
1: 1993. Whoa. Yeah. That's which means a lot of people listening to this right now are wondering why you're spending so much time talking about an irrelevant Notre Dame football program.
0: Number 11, 11 years in a row. Now a team ranked in the top 10 of the preseason AP poll finished the regular season unranked last year. That happened to three teams number four, Wisconsin, number seven, Auburn, number eight, Miami.
1: Please say that again. I want to absorb it.
0: 11 years in a row now, a team ranked in the top 10 of the preseason AP poll finished the regular season unranked. That was three teams last year, number four, Wisconsin, number seven, Auburn, number eight, Miami.
1: Do you have a pick for this year? Or is that a new different podcast?
0: I think the two teams I would be the most concerned about are Ohio state and Florida, maybe Texas, although are they 10th? I think they're like 12th, but, um, I'd be, I'd be concerned about Florida and Ohio state. Why offensive lines in both cases, but Ohio state's quarterback situation, man, it's, it's dancing on the head of a pin. You need that. You need that five star that has no, no meaningful experience to play at an exceedingly high level, not even just be okay or be good. He's got to be like candidate for first or second team, all big 10 right away. And then he can't get hurt all year long because there's nothing behind him. Hmm. They're a more talented version of Nebraska with a, with a less proven quarterback. Number 12, number 14 is Utah's highest preseason AP ranking ever.
1: That is, well, it seems surprising, but now that I think about it, probably not.
0: Number 13, Iowa state is in the preseason AP poll for the first time since 1978.
1: It's not surprising to me because of my familiarity with how that program has been, but that is a long, long drought, 41 years. And congrats, Matt Campbell, for where he has this program position. And I think it's worthy.
0: 14, Iowa and Iowa State are both rated in the preseason AP poll for the first time ever.
1: (laughs) It's going to be some game coming up in September.
0: I listened to an interview with Herb Street, and he said that's on their radar for game day that week. It's absolutely on their radar.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine game day in Ames? I mean, well, you're
0: the you two guys on the on each end of this podcast are the only two human beings to ever host a game day at Ames. Yes, we did. And while it wasn't it wasn't quite the same thing, we still had a massive crowd there. Um, it was scorching hot, uh, in the, in the, in the atmosphere, there was cray cray, as the kids say today, if the actual a team showed up, you know, we were, we're not even the opening act. Like we're like the, we're like the jugglers who came out to entertain before the opening act comes out before Motley Crue hits the stage. Yeah. Okay. But if, but if Motley Crue's theater of pain tour actually showed up, or the Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet Tour, or U2's Ag Tongue Baby Tour actually showed up in that place, uh, shut her down. Shut her, don't go anywhere near I-30 for like 48 hours. Shut her down.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, other than my, my brief stint on the Big Ten Network, that experience we had there doing that game day in Jack Trice in 2005, probably the most big time Media event I was ever part of personally. That was, there was so much energy that your stomach couldn't handle it. It was insane.
0: It's the last time in my career. You know, I have, I've got, I get, I get, you know, um, uh, energetic tummy issues. That's why I always go and pray and stuff before I do public speaking, but I'm not really nervous as much as I've just got to, you know, get my energy level under control. That was the last time in my career. I was true. And I've, man, I've done how many national TV hits. I've presided over presidential events. The last time in my career though, I was truly like, this moment is bigger than me and I can't handle it. That was the moment I thought I was going to puke or crap my pants or maybe both.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It was hot too. It was real hot. Uh, Any more?
0: All right. We got a few more. 15. This is the first time since 1977 that both Florida state and Miami failed to be ranked in the preseason AP poll.
1: Are, Are you surprised given the talent that is in that state how mediocre yes. the football has yeah, been in that state. You know,
0: remember when, when Iowa state had like Alexander Robinson and Troy Davis and, um, Ennis Haywood and Texas was like trying, you know, for every Cedric Benson, they couldn't find another running back, you know, and you have, remember how we, you and know, I were used to talk like Texas should, Iowa state should never have a better running back than Texas. Like ever. Remember that? Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. thing. There, it should, there should never be a season ever that Miami and Florida state are both unranked in the preseason ever, ever should never happen number 16 you're gonna like this one nebraska is the first team to be ranked in the preseason ap poll after winning fewer than five games the previous season since alabama in 2001 in fact it's only happened twice alabama did it in 01 and they ended up going seven and five and then notre dame did it the year after paul horning won the heisman on a team with a losing record and they were ranked in the preseason AP poll the next year, and they went seven and three. I want to say, All right? Those are the only other two times it's ever happened.
1: It's not surprising that Nebraska would be a part of it. You know, I think I think a lot of people would like to see them back. People outside of you know Lincoln and very exciting offense. Uh, you got the favorite son home coaching them, and I, I mean I, I'm not going to throw a blanket on it. I mean, if I was to – I mean, I think eight wins is right there for him as long as Martinez stays healthy.
0: For the first time since Donovan McNabb in 1998, Syracuse is ranked in the preseason AP poll. It's been 21 years. Say that again. For the first time since 1998 with Donovan McNabb, Syracuse is ranked in the preseason AP poll. It's been 21 years.
1: years. That is – it's a long time. I mean, you know, we, we grew up with Syracuse not as a, as a joke. So some people listening to this are younger than us. Marvin
0: Gray, Donovan McNabb.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But people the younger people listening to this is like, well, okay, that that's that's not really that big of a deal. Once upon a time, Syracuse actually was pretty good in football.
0: Eighteen. We have four left. This is the first time Texas has been ranked higher than fifteenth in the preseason AP poll since two thousand and ten.
1: That's surprising. And it's also fireable, which is why They've had a few different coaches.
0: Seven of the eight of the last eight national champions, seven of the last eight teams to win it all, were in the top five of the preseason AP poll. The only exception, Florida State 2013, Jameis Winston's Heisman season, they were preseason number 11.
1: Hmm. Well, again, there's a lot of people who might as well just go home.
0: Number 20. 25 of the past 26 years, a team not ranked in the preseason AP poll, AP poll finished in the top 10. This that's has a, happened 25 that,
1: that, of the yeah, last. That's that's surprising. I mean, I, I, I know last you bring year this it was up.
0: Washington state.
1: Yeah. You bring yeah. this up almost every year, but uh, that's a long stretch. It's not like shocking anymore that it happens. It's just shocking to me that it happens with, you know, 25 out of 26 years.
0: 21. For the first time since 2010, the Pac-12 does not have a team in the top 10 of the preseason AP poll, but that season Oregon ended up playing Cam Newton and Auburn for the BCS National Championship.
1: Well, I think given how explosive and experienced their offense is this year and how weak that league is, they got a shot at 11 wins.
0: Final fact. This is now the 29th time since Jim Harbaugh took over in 2015 that Michigan has been ranked in the top 10 of the AP poll. The decade before he arrived, from 2005 to 2014, those 10 seasons combined, Michigan was in the AP's top 10 17 times.
1: Mm. It was a long, hard stretch for you, Steve. Long, hard stretch.
0: It was. It was. All right, man. We got some questions. Let's crush these.
1: We do. We do. Uh, Cody Hills writes, what is your favorite memory of a season opener in the KF era? And someone actually replied to him. Andrew Bradenberg said, not losing them. And I thought that was actually apropos. Uh, Because a a lot of these openers are just, you know, they're not memorable. But I I will throw in a memory. And that is the season opener against Kansas State. I believe it was in 2000 at Arrowhead Stadium.
0: Oh, you and I went to that game and we saw somebody literally frying an egg on the sidewalk at Arrowhead. Do you remember this? That's how freaking hot it was.
1: It was intense. The hottest day of
0: my life.
1: It was intense. And I remember band members were passing out because it was so hot. And Bob's- Do you remember when Keith
0: Murphy came up to the presser for halftime to get some water after being on the field? I think, and he conflating- looked like he somebody think- tried to drown him in a pool.
1: Yes, I think you're conflating memories to 2002 Iowa State against Florida State.
0: No, this was Iowa Kansas State. It okay. was the hottest day of my life, at, and that game was at
1: Arrowhead. I didn't. I don't know that i I don't know that I was with you because I re- remembered I was in peak alcoholic days then. And me and my buddies had multiple cases stocked with beer. And I think we drank like two of them because it was so hot. We were tailgating. Um, but yeah, that was Cause nothing helps
0: with dehydration kind of like than beer. Nothing helps more than that does.
1: I mean, usually that wouldn't yeah. have slowed me down either. You know? Cause I was a pro and I would fight through such things. I just wasn't feeling it, man. It was like 118 heat index, like it's been here in Tulsa the last I know we went together. Weeks.
0: You, you, you might have ejected on me. I know we went to the game together. I remember that. I know we went together. Okay. You might have not uh, in the cozy press box
1: with me and I done your not. own thing. I, I, did, I did not. I did not you
0: want, as you were want to do in those days, you know? Yes. But uh, I, I'll never forget Keith Murphy coming up at halftime to get some water. And it looked like someone. It looked like he had been in a North Korean gulag, and they had tried to waterboard him. <laughs> That's how bad he
1: was. It was probably one forty or one fifty down the field. But I, I no, it was. The, the, it's the hottest, the hottest thing, thing of my life. So I remember that. But but I remember Bob Sanders coming down. I think it was on the opening kickoff, and Kansas State had like an all-American specialist, return specialist on that team. I think his name started with a P last yeah, year those brothers that they
0: oh, receivers, they always had those guys. I can't remember their names. Yeah. But yeah
1: and and, and Bob came down, he dove like a spear flying through the air, knifing through the, uh, the protector on the outside with his left arm out and just flipped that guy, busted up his ankle. And he was out for weeks That's Bob Sanders, hello world moment his first ever play from scrimmage. I believe he knocked out Kansas State's All-American kick returner. So um, let's move on. Could the lack of tight – this is from uh, Jeffrey the Greek. Love that name. Could the lack of tight ends and perceived emergence of wide receivers wind up opening up the running game? Well, yes. If if Iowa's passing game – gets on track relative to the receivers and some of the guys in the slot, whether it's Tracy or Reganey or whomever it is, if, you know, Oliver Martin is deemed eligible, which means since I just said it out loud, it will probably come down right after we stop recording this that he's ineligible. Um, Yeah. It absolutely could open up the running game, not as much as better and more improved line play could, but it certainly will help a passing game is one of the best friends of a running game.
0: I, I can't, alter your answer whatsoever. I think it's it's right on the money. And 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 given the schedule and what was lost at tight end, this needs to be, by KF era standards, a historically good yep. and effective wide receiver core. It, do, it does.
1: Uh, Tony Delaney asks, and I'll let you answer first, is it possible that Iowa's road schedule might be overhyped? They're going to Northwestern and Nebraska, not Bama and Oklahoma.
0: Well... Um, if you're going to look at it that way, I mean, it's a little bit like I mean, saying who
1: else is going to be you know, in Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, is it, is it possible that, you know, you're, you're, the, the, the tumor in your colon is overhyped. I mean, it's not like it's inoperable brain cancer. I mean, there, there's always a better than Hillary component, <laughs> it's, it's, right? I mean, is it, is it possible oh, well, that to,
1: you're, t- to, to, that, person- to that point, we, we thought so, but maybe not. But
0: go ahead. <laughs> nice. I mean, is it possible your time in a Turkish prison uh, was terrible? Um, really? I mean, you, I mean, you, have you tried Pyongyang in the winter? I mean, I mean, there's always a worse. What kind of a question is that? You know, so if that's your standard, then yeah, then if, yeah, it's overhyped. I mean, guys, I mean, it's not like, you know, they're playing the Patriots and the Rams and the Saints, you know, back to back to back on the road here. Okay, you're right. It's it's not like that at all. Right? Mm-hmm. But it is the toughest road schedule I can I can document a Big 10 road team has played in my lifetime. I mean, you're playing Northwestern at historical levels of of goodness for them on the road. You're playing Iowa, the highest rated Iowa State team in many of our listeners' lifetimes on the road. Uh you're you're playing uh, a historically great program that is has that in the last four years has the eighth best record in college football on the road. Um, you know, you're, you're playing Nebraska with, with a resurgent team and a resurgent coach in what could be a game that determines each team's season at the end of the year on the road. I mean, this is, it, it's the, it's, it's really difficult.
1: It is but- indeed. It is very difficult. Um, let's move along. Um, While the hype with Nebraska? And do you think they'll actually compete for a Big Ten West title and why that is from T. Leebs. I mean, I, I, to me, it's all about Adrian Martinez. And Adrian Martinez is one of the most exciting players, not only in the Big Ten, but I think all of college football. And he's in a system with a coach that has proven that, you know, players playing his position can have, you know, pinball, crazy Nintendo-like numbers. And he, they began to show that last year. Now they weren't ready for prime time along the line of scrimmage, but they do have a strength and conditioning coach in there who once upon a time was touted as one of the best in the industry. He was a part of that program back in the nineties during the back to back days. And I think they're going to be better in the trenches. They have to just be average on defense to win at least eight games and that's a plus four from last year so yeah i think they're going to they'll be able to i think they have the ability to compete for the big 10 west title but i also think if adrian martinez gets hurt early on and is out any significant amount of time they might not make a bowl game
0: so here's the thing with me in nebraska is, is i think hype is real i think the hype has gotten outrageous and I love Phil Steele to death, but it's not like when he had Florida last year. I mean, Florida was stacking consistent top 25 classes for several years under several coaches. And they had just, they had just won the division two years in a row, had one just complete, you know, uh, uh, implosion year, and then brought in a new coach. Nebraska has changed systems four times. They've done four major system changes in the last 15 years. All of their, there's still, there's recruiting depth. There's nowhere what, what uh, uh, Dan Mullen inherited at Florida last year. So I, I think hype is legit. I think the hype has gone too far. Would, that would be my answer. I think they're still a year away. I could see a scenario with this schedule where they could steal the division this year, given the scenario you just laid out. But that would be a team whose schedule, that'd be the inverse of Iowa. I think Iowa is a team that is likely going to underperform its personnel because of its schedule. I think Nebraska would be overperforming its personnel because of its schedule.
1: Let's move along. Um, As I scroll down past all the replies I got into of that answer with Nebraska fans. Um, A lot of justifiable attention has been given to the two offensive tackles, thus concluding the offensive line as a strength. Is Is that fair with the three interior offensive linemen, so green, my concern is typically stacking to the box and giving up penetration. This is from Clay from Indiana. I think that's a very good observation, Clay. Yes, Wurfs and Jackson, potential first-round NFL draft picks. You've got Tyler Linderbaum, uh, a, a really a, a first-year player, a freshman, you know, he played a few games last year given the new rule. A guy that played on the defensive side of the field last year made the switch, I believe, in December when they were prepping for bowl prep. And this is a position that Kirk Ferentz is probably a whisperer on as much as any other. And to be one of the very, very few young players like this to start at this tender age under Kirk Ferentz says a lot about him, but that's a lot of pressure. And the guards are not necessarily household names. So, yeah, I, I don't I – mean, I have not felt that this was a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line than the year they actually won it. They probably weren't either. Um, so, yeah, this team is going to need to move the ball through the air to give the running game some more room. But I'd rather have two potential first-round NFL draftees at tackle than not. <laughs>
0: I've learned as a Michigan fan, we had one year where we had Taylor Luan, who's arguably the best left tackle in the NFL right now. He's the highest paid. Michael Schofield was the other tackle, started for the Broncos Super Bowl champs, Peyton Manning's last year. And we couldn't keep Devin Gardner out of the ER because the interior of the line was so bad. Also, you're running a zone blocking scheme, a lot of communication issues and timing issues and chemistry issues. Um, If it was me, I'd rather have new tackles, where they're more on an island, I can put a back, particularly with Iowa's tight and heavy offense, I can put a guy out there in line to help chip, help keep, uh, uh, you know, give them some help so they're not out there, you know, completely by themselves. The worst thing that disrupts any defense or any offense is pressure in the interior of the, of the offensive line, pressure up the middle. Now, when I look at Iowa's schedule, you know, I don't see a lot of teams capable of that. One of them is actually Iowa State with Ray Lima, who the Athletic today named a second-team preseason All-American. Uh, there's, but there's not a lot of teams on Iowa's schedule with a lot of disruptors in the interior of the defensive line. But in general, I'd rather be secure there with new tackles than be great at tackle and have a lot of guys that are going to see looks and, and defensive alignments they've never seen before on the interior.
1: Next comes from Hawkeye Fett, and this is a play on Boba Fett as Boba Fett's, uh, Mandalorian mask is his, uh, icon avatar. Who is your favorite when you were a kid and why Luke Skywalker or Han Solo? I knew you'd like this one. I'll go first. I'm guessing that we may go different. Maybe not. I- I've always been a bigger fan of Luke. Um, I've enjoyed Han, but I was always more Luke Skywalker than Han Solo. I was never the, uh, I was never the scoundrel. I was never the bad guy. I was always seen more in the light of Luke. And whenever we were on the playground as a kid, because this movie came out when I was six and we played Star Wars every day on the playground, uh, I wanted to be Luke. Absolutely, Luke Skywalker for me.
0: As a kid, I wanted to be Luke, uh, I, the altruistic hero. That's why I love Superman so much and still do. As I got older, my affinity for Han Solo grew a little bit more. Uh, particularly when you work full-time in politics, you get more attracted to the idea of a, of a likable rogue. Um, Cause all you tend to find are low rogues and they're often not likable. So, um, uh, but I would still give my answer as Luke Skywalker. When I was a child, he clearly was, I spent a lot more time with my play lightsaber than my play uh, 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 blaster.
1: Yes, indeed. Moving on to the next tweet. There they are. Um, I don't know what that means. Do you guys think this is from DC Hawk six? Do you guys think ISU has an advantage having a bye week before the Iowa game or possibly Iowa having an advantage by having two games to iron out the kinks? What do you think, Steve?
0: I think it's kind of an inverse of what happened last year where Iowa state's initial game got canceled. And remember I went against all the trends that pointed to Iowa state because it was a new circumstance. And I thought it was a huge advantage for Iowa that they had a chance to run into a full game and Iowa State did not. Now, I, I don't think it's quite that level of advantage because Iowa does have two games. But in terms of focus and preparation, and, and this gives Matt Campbell, who has really tried to establish a program predicated on being a program and not isolated moments of greatness like, you know, hey, we beat Iowa. That defines our season. But this is kind of, this is kind. This this and winning the Big 12, they've done everything else. I think all time, Iowa State has seven or eight wins against top ten teams, and half of them have occurred since Matt Campbell became the head coach. So he's checked a lot of boxes there, man. And there's only two left he hasn't checked, win the conference um, and beat Iowa. And so having a chance for him to I, – I suspect that this will be something he won't do the rest of his career as long as he is at Iowa state, unless they lose again, then he might do it again next year. But um, I think he'll treat it with the bye week. He'll see that he has the luxury to give this a certain level of emotion and enthusiasm. That's kind of not really his MO. He's kind of a steady Eddie. He's kind of a new age Kirk in many respects. Imagine if Kirk Ferentz knew what uh, social media was. All right. Um, that's kind of his approach. Um, But I think that he'll, he'll treat it uniquely this year because of the bye week and the fact they haven't beaten Iowa yet.
1: This comes from Jason Holtgrew. What's one change you believe Iowa could reasonably make as a program that would help them consistently make the Big Ten championship game moving forward? Now, consistently making the Big Ten championship game, there's one program in this league that's done that by and large, and it's Ohio State and maybe to a lesser degree Wisconsin. Iowa's never going to be Ohio State, and Wisconsin's having a hard time remaining Wisconsin. But I think the one change that they can reasonably make would be to transition away from their reliance on the zone blocking scheme and mix in far more hat-on-hat, trap, power-o type schemes that really will make the defense not be able to line up, tee off, and have that pre-game strategy that they're going to crash their linebackers and defensive line hard to the flow side, which really the last two or three years has been very, very disruptive to Iowa. It's been obviously disruptive. It is uh, Wisconsin's secret sauce. Iowa State tried it with success last year, likely going to see it again this year. Um, either that or you start mixing in a whole, you know, just, just far more traps – to mess up that misdirection. But I think that is a change they can reasonably make. Now, does that change the body type and style of the players they recruit and how they develop them? Maybe. Does that mean you got to, you know, develop guys more along the lines of a Wisconsin body style than your traditional Iowa, you know, dancing and bear style? Probably. Is it simple? Maybe not, but they already have those elements in their, in their offensive scheme. They already run, those type of uh, uh, plays during each and every game. I just would like to see less of a reliance on the zone scheme in the outside zone.
0: My response to that would be a derivative of yours. Um, I would look at it a little bit more holistically. They need uh, schematic innovation and I'm not really married to what that has to be. You offered one plausible outcome that I think is, could absolutely be the answer. But if you look at the two times in its recent memory, when Iowa has been for, for over the, over a period of time considered a consistent contender to win the conference, not cycle up, cycle down, but every, several years in a row, they were thought of as a team you had to think of when you were making your predictions. If you go back to the mid eighties under Hayden Fry, innovation, stand up tight ends, The quarterback backpedal, so he never keeps his, uh, never turns his back uh, to to uh, what's happening downfield. He's always reading the defense, even as he goes into his drop. You know, there were several years in a row that Iowa quarterbacks were among the nation's leaders in either yardage or passing efficiency, whether their names were Matt Rogers, Chuck Long, or Chuck Hartlieb, Um, and and so that level of innovation, uh, the exotics uh, transformed the Big Ten. Uh, And then, if you go into the early Kirk Ferentz era. You know, Iowa was one of the first major programs to get guys off of, of uh, off of machines. Um, even, even, you know, doing practical t- type of explosion workouts, um, the flipping the tires and all that kinds of stuff. This was radical in 1999, 2000, 2001, when Chris Doyle introduced this stuff. Now it's on our TV sets every night and it's called American Ninja Warrior and every program is doing this now. Uh, and so it's a much harder to to create a Dallas Clark or a Robert gallery now. So innovation has always has been what's been at the heart of the, the, the two eras within those eras and Hayden Fry's era ended up evolving much like Kirk Ferentz's where he had this quick innovation flash where they were a perennial contender for about three or four years and then they were pretty much a seven to nine win team after that. And that's exactly what's happened here. And so it only makes sense that, that that was the pattern that transpired twice. If you want to have third time be the charm, you've got, to, you've got to repeat that. So I don't really know what the particular schematic innovation or program innovation needs to be, but I think that's the key to Iowa getting outside of, if you want to call it a rut or you can call it consistency and being that program that we were asked about in the question.
1: Um, some of these we've answered, uh, before or very recently or in the bigger 10 podcast, such as Bo Anderson over under eight wins for Iowa. Um, I, you know, again, if you're making me take the over under on eight and four, which is my prediction, I, I feel with the schedule maybe more in line with the seven than the nine. I think you do as well. Um, agreed. Brandon Holmes, given the number of good, healthy running backs, will Ferentz specialize these guys for particular down scenarios? I don't know if any of the three, Torrin Young, Ivory Kelly, Martin, um, and, and Makai Sargent is a, you know, an Akram Wadley third down type of receiving specialist. Uh, I can. We just haven't seen enough of him. Sargent proved to be a little bit like, a, you know, a poor man Swiss Army knife a little bit last year and Torn Young. I don't think, is a is guy that's going to be involved a lot in the passing game. I do think that the the snaps are going to be split up a lot. I don't know how many games this season you're going to see one back get 20 or more carries, and if it happens, it's probably going to be torn young because the, the game and the circumstance will call for a jackhammer.
0: Yeah, and I don't like this, actually. Um, and you're seeing more and more NFL teams get away from this where um, – you, where you don't want to create, ten, particularly because if you're going to put, a, you allow the defense to put so many guys in the box, you need to be breaking tendencies, not holding oh, on to them. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah. You,
0: you can't send the signal to the defense, hey, this guy's in on, a, on third and five, so you know what the play's going to be, all right? I mean, I, I think you need to create versatility within your own scheme and within your own sub-packages and position groupings so that it's not easy to find tendencies, so I would hope they don't do. Even if you have that level of specialization, I would hope they don't take it to the level of the premise of the question we were asked. If I oh, were in yeah, Iowa. A,
1: fo- a follow-up tweet from someone else on a similar topic called, really nice guy is his name, which running back provides the most benefit to the position if they can become the featured back. I think it's Sargent because he can do a little bit of, passing game i think that he is much more comfortable in the zone scheme right now his balance and his lower body strength is really good but I, I actually think that probably torn young is more poised to have a much larger role this year than we saw last year and i think as many times as iowa likes to get down and get physical that he would be their choice there. But again, I, I think, I think one of those I think Martin is going to be your, your change of pace guy. He's the fastest among the three of them. Um, he's not, uh, he he's not a Ronnie Harmon like guy, but he's a guy that's shifty and has more acceleration perhaps. But I, I think it's going to be Sergeant Young to get the majority of the carries. Um, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll go to, I'll go with IKM, IKM just simply because, Um, With the 2019 rosters on NCA, 2014, whenever I've played Iowa so far in the season, he's given me the most attempts or ability for Iowa to have an explosive offense. So I'm going to go with him.
1: Yeah, he's he's just performed better for you. I wouldn't see why you wouldn't do that. Um, Why not? Uh, Somebody just asking about the zone scheme. Uh, Thank you for sending that in. No DAC H. Do you think losing Reese Morgan will have an impact this year, or will be felt two to three years now from now, if at all? This is from Scott Williams. Reese Morgan, great teacher. Kirk Ferentz speaks as highly of him as anybody that I've ever heard Kirk speak as highly of, maybe outside his mentor, Joe Moore, uh, or Norm Parker. But I also think that Kelvin Bell is bringing some, some juice. He's doing great on the recruiting front. Uh, and Reese Morgan was a fantastic recruiter and a great eye for talent, you know, responsible for Iowa. But you know, I've, I've just heard nothing but really, really good things about bell. But I, but I also don't want to sit here and say that to lose that much institutional knowledge and just football coaching savant that Reese Morgan has a reputation for, I don't know that it's, I can't spin it as a positive. That's for sure.
0: I, my my default answer in these issues is to def, is to is to defer to you because you have the more intimate knowledge and emotional connection. But I, I also think this strikes me a little bit like being concerned that Alabama lost a great defensive coordinator when Nick Saban is your head coach. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying with that? Mm-hmm. You know, or boy Oklahoma lost a great offensive coordinator, but Lincoln Riley's our coach. Washington State lost a great offensive coordinator, but Mike Leach is our coach, you know? I'm sure Reese Morgan's a great coach, but the offensive line coach is the guy that has been, is the head man as far as I'm concerned.
1: Hmm. Gwen Cousin says, despite strong career stance for Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley, he has two wins against ranked opponents, Ohio State and Mississippi State. Is that why there's such a wide range of opinions about him across the fan base? Probably so. Uh, you, you point out two good wins in that, and that, um, that Mississippi state game, I think Iowa had negative yards rushing and it was against one of the better defenses they played in years, uh, against Ohio state. I think you had what five touchdown passes. He also had five touchdown passes in his first ever road start at Iowa state and, and a come from behind victory there. But I think you're right. Cause when I think of Nate Stanley and how I would rank him in the hierarchy of Kirk Ferentz era quarterbacks, I start with Drew Tate. And then I go to Ricky Stanzi, and then we can debate about Brad Banks or C.J. Beathard, and then I consider Stanley. But Stanley is, what, 22, 23, something like that, touchdown passes away from um, breaking Chuck Long's Iowa record and being one of the top five or six all-time in the Big Ten history. I think Stanley just needs to make the makeables. He just needs to make the makeables and avoid a Penn State-like performance this year, and he's got a chance to really ascend.
0: That's a great. I mean, that's a really high quality scouting report you just gave right there. And I, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, pretend you can give me the uh, the the line from uh, the Star Trek reboot. I dare you to do better. I don't think I could do better. I think you nailed it. And I, when you talk about his NFL stock, that's what they're going to be concerned about. You know, you're going to see some teams are going to look at him, if he has a season this year, typically, of what we've seen. Now, if he's more efficient overall, I think his stock could skyrocket. But if, if, it's, if what we see this year is what we've seen the last two years, then it, he's a guy that could go from the second round to Mr. Irrelevant. Because you're going to see half the teams in the NFL are going to look at what you just said and said, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't coach erratic. I can't coach inconsistent. And then you see other coaches that are looking at those measurables and the arm strength and going to say, I can straighten that. I can straighten out that swing. You know, I I can get that guy on the fairway uh, hitting it long and straight. I can do that. You know, so uh, there's a lot riding on Nate Stanley this year for him and for the team, but also for him professionally at the same time. And given the schedule they're playing, I mean, there's going to be a lot of NFL scouts watching that Northwestern defense. They got a few NFL draft picks there. Be a lot of NFL scouts watching that Michigan game. It's gonna be a lot of NFL scouts watching the Iowa State game. They got some pros potentially on that side of the ball there, too. So he's got, I mean, Penn State probably has a first round pick in Yutur Gross Matos and some other draft picks on their defense. So uh, they're talking about the Cashman kid. Is that what I'm thinking of at Minnesota? That he might be a first round draft pick um, in their defensive front. So he's gonna face a lot of potential uh, future pros on that schedule. So a lot of opportunity for him. Uh, to show who he is on film. It'll be fascinating to watch.
1: Just a couple of more here. This is from Ren Bendel. There was a lot of complaining that Noah Fant, and at times the tight end position altogether, was underutilized last year. Do you think the drop-off at this position will be less noticeable because of it? Um, with all due respect, no. There was near <laughs> record level production from the tight end position last year. Uh, both of them were first rounders. I guess you could have tried to get them the ball 60 times a piece and maybe they should have. So that part of, you know, maybe they were underutilized, but yes, um, I, I rather, no, I, I don't think that, that they drop off at the position will be less noticeable because of that.
0: I, I thought you nailed it. I, I don't, I don't know how you don't have a noticeable drop off from having the only program of all time to have two first round tight ends. I don't know how that's possible. And, and by the way, I'm, I don't mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I wasn't trying to demean the questioner. I, I, I think he's trying to assert a smart premise. Okay. Given the overall um, history of Iowa at the position when I'm trying to insult your question, I'll tell you, but I, I really wasn't. I just think sometimes, and I, and I fall into this trap too, as a guy who's a natural contrarian, sometimes, Two plus two is just four, and sometimes it's just as simple as you had two first-round draft picks at that position in the same draft. You're going to have a drop-off.
1: Are you related Move to on. this guy? Because you've never told me that I've attempted to assert a smart premise before. I mean, that's that's one of the nicest, that's it's one of the nicest ways of saying I disagree with you I've ever freaking heard, and it came from you. So. You are a man of the people, no doubt.
0: Now, for the record, the last time you gave me a flawed premise, I said it wasn't your fault. I let you off the hook with your flawed premise, remember, the last time. Okay,
1: yeah. This is the last one we could probably keep going, but uh, I've got a parent-teacher conference or meet the teachers to get to. This comes from uh, Eldon Whetstone. Which one of Iowa's early departures from last season would make the most significant impact to Iowa's 2019 roster? And to remember these, Amani Hooker, who plays that cash position better than anybody in Iowa history, namely because he's the first one, but because he's really, really good. You had Anthony Nelson and near double-digit sacks on the other side of Epinesa. That was a possibility. Uh, You also had um, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. And if you're going to have me pick just one to come back, that's really hard. I would probably, I would go between either Hooker or Hawkinson, and given Iowa's offensive reliance on the tight end, I would probably go Hawkinson.
0: Yeah, I I can see why you'd pick an Amani Hooker, all right, but I'd have to go with Hawkinson, especially you want to create as much margin for error as you're developing the interior of that line as possible, and so now you're going to tell me you're going to put two, you're going to you're going to you're going to protect two tackles that could be first round draft picks with a first round tight end in line, helping you block as well. Um, that's a hell of a security blanket. Um, you're, we, we just had a conversation that we need this given the, ske- the Iowa needs given the, the schedule we, th- they need this to be a historically by KF era standards, uh, good receiving core, the chances that happen. And when you got, when you have to respect TJ Hawkinson coming down the seam of the middle of your defense, uh, improve that those odds i don't know how much but there's no doubt that they improve those odds so i think it's got to be hawkinson
1: yep indeed thank you so much to everyone for all of your questions we really appreciate you uh coming through for us when we ask you for these and it's always a lot of fun that'll wrap up this installment of the hn podcast for steve i'm john we'll talk to you soon